I want to talk today about Jesus Deficit Disorder. It's a disease, and it's a disease that I see in the church, and it's affecting both our internal life of the family of God, the people of God, but also affecting um, the way that we are exhibiting the Christian faith to the society in which we live, the culture in which we're trying to impact and to change. The early apostles were solidly committed to Jesus, and they gave their lives for him. They were in awe of him, understanding that he is God. They saw his splendor. They had experienced his majesty. They had encountered his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, as John chapter 1 states. They gave up everything to follow him and eventually gave their lives for him, dying for their faith in him. In everything they did, they exalted him. They put him first, lifted him up for all people to see. Philippians chapter 1 verse 20 says, Christ will even now as always be exalted. However, as I travel from nation to nation, as I travel through my nation, I sense that this is missing. It's a missing element in the Christian faith and thus in the Christian church. In many ways, many ways, we are no longer lifting Jesus up or exalting him in the things that we say, the things that we do, and the way that we do them. We no longer stand in awe of who Jesus is. We do not see his majesty, his awesomeness. We're not experiencing his presence as Isaiah did in the temple and the story is written in Isaiah chapter 6. We don't see ourselves in light of his greatness. We're not embracing him. We're not embracing and experiencing his love and his acceptance. Instead, we have this performance religion where we're somehow working for his approval. And I believe that we, Christians, the Christian church, are at a crossroads right now. We can turn to the left, which would be legalism, and we would create more rules and regulations, as many churches have already done. Or we can turn to the right, which is giving license for every form of life, every form of lifestyle that exists today, or licentiousness, as the Bible called it, and as it's known in the world today, extreme grace. That's where anything goes. We can turn to the left or to the right, or... We can turn back to Jesus and who he really is, seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, as Matthew 6.33 states. The world, the non-believers, they're looking for that third alternative. The world is looking for the way, the truth, and the life. And it's time for the believers, the church, to totally turn to Jesus for who he is, because he is the way, the only way, the truth, and the life. We need to turn to the real Jesus, not who we think he is, not the Jesus we've created to justify a lifestyle that's not biblical, and not the religious Jesus, or as Paul would state in Second Corinthians, another Jesus. If I can be so bold, we need a fresh experience of the reality of an indwelling Christ. Colossians 1, verse 27 says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this majesty, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, it's all about him. It's all about Jesus, his greatness, his beauty, his glory, his splendor. And the early disciples knew that, and they gave their lives to him, and they gave their lives for him, 
because they knew him for who he was and they had seen his glory. So powerful to see, to know, to experience, to live with, and yet unknown to many believers today. But when it is known, when his majesty and his awesomeness and the real Jesus is known, experienced, encountered, then we can have confidence, assurance, and courage to face the unknown and the uncertain future. Sadly, we have in many ways downgraded the Bible into a book of information or a book that contains some life principles, when really the Bible is our roadmap pointing us to the real Jesus and a deep, life-changing relationship with him. The person of Jesus in all of his richness, in all of his depth, and in all of his glory. But we don't see him because we have made the gospel the church, Christianity, about so many other things, things other than Jesus the Christ. We've made it about our salvation. We've made it focusing on our health, our healing, our comfort and security, our going to heaven, our ministry, our church. It is in many ways all about us, folks. In the city of Ivanovo, where I recently was in central Russia, the pastor, who's originally from Africa, uh, he has been pastoring a church he founded 26 years ago, and I was meeting with him and other pastors from churches that he has planted or has adopted into his network or union of churches. And when I was just about to stand up and begin teaching all of these pastoral leaders and uh, evangelists, apostles and prophets, teachers, he said to me, I want you to challenge us. I want you to challenge us in such a way that it hurts us. Now, there's a man who wants to see the real Jesus. However, in most churches, they just want good teaching. They just want it, someone to tell them everything is all right, even when it's not. So, in our churches today, and this again is my humble opinion and my experience, Jesus is no longer the center of our faith. And we fall into worshiping another Jesus, as Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. And so many times we emphasize a spiritual truth, a value, a virtue, a gift, a ministry, and we still miss the real Jesus. You see, Jesus is the center of our faith. He pulls everything together. He gives everything meaning in life. He is foundational to every action. He is foundational to every thought. And without Jesus, everything we're doing, everything we believe, loses its value, including the church and even your life. In the church today, I firmly believe we are suffering from JDD, Jesus Deficit Disorder. But I also firmly believe we can heal this disorder and return to a proper foundation, Jesus Christ because he's the only foundation. Ephesians 2.20 tells us that Jesus Christ is foundation and the cornerstone, and that we can seek first the kingdom and the king. We can embrace Jesus in all of his glory. We can know Christ, the Bible Christ, the Bible Jesus. I believe that. We can fix this disorder. This disorder is healable. Jesus is the answer, because in him resides truth, values, virtues, gifts, all in living color. 
So what is Christianity? It is Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. It's not just a way of life. It's not a theology, an ideology, a philosophy. It's not a new morality, a social ethic, or a worldview. It is Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. It is Christ and him crucified. And when we were born again, it was more than a change in direction, which is what repentance is all about, changing the way you think so that you change the direction that your life is going. But it's more than a change in direction. It was a change in connection. Repentance, the word in the Hebrew language, is shuba. That's not viewing God from a distance, but entering into a relationship where God is command central of the human existence. Repentance for the Hebrew was making Jesus Lord. He's the ruler of your life. He's the center of who you are. He's your life source. He's all that matters. He's the way, the truth, and your life. He's Lord. He is God Almighty. And it's more than, much more than, simply getting a get-out-of-jail-free card, knowing you're going to heaven. It's coming to know and embrace, be connected relationally with God, with Jesus, who is God. And we talk a lot about it, but the life reality is far less than our talk would indicate. So there is a major disease in the church today. We suffer from JDD, Jesus Deficit Disorder. And you hear a lot in the church about you, victory, your victory, heaven, healing, deliverance, ministry, justice, morality, values, morals, social norms. But you don't hear a lot about Jesus, the real Jesus. The world, young people especially, like Jesus. They don't like the church. I recently had two university students who only attend church when I'm there. They travel by train for many hours from the city where they're studying to the city where I minister. And they don't attend church other than those days, in spite of the fact that their father is a pastor. You see, they like Jesus, and I teach about Jesus. They don't like the church. But increasingly... The church likes the church, but it doesn't like the real radical and revolutionary Jesus, which is why more and more people are leaving the church and going into house churches and literally changing their lives as they do so. Some Christians can easily think of the world without Christ. They live like he's not real or he's not relevant. I would call them Christian atheists. Some Christians have a problem of thinking the world thinking of the world without Bach or Bono or the Beatles. Christians in the church are losing sight of the real Bible Jesus and they're living life without him. And this is causing us major problems in every nation. In our global Google world, we need Jesus as the filter through which we understand everything else. Jesus needs to be first foremost, and forever. Jesus, in speaking to his disciples, asks them a question. 
Who do you say that I am? That's found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And each one of us and every generation needs to answer that question. Every believer, every church, every generation needs to answer the question that Jesus asked his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Every church, every generation, every believer needs to find the real Jesus. Not another Jesus, but a real, the real Jesus, the Bible Jesus. If we get the answer wrong to this question, who do you say that I am? If we get this answer wrong, everything else is wrong. And so I believe in our generation, there is a need for a rediscovery of the living word, that scripture and its authority, a rediscovery of the living Christ, his lordship and his supremacy, and a rediscovery of the living spirit, his gifts and his power to manifest Christ in the context of our cultures. Jesus said that when he is lifted up, he will draw all people to himself. That's John chapter 12, verse 32. And because we don't trust Jesus to do what he says he will do, or because we don't believe he is who he says he is, or because we've not caught a glimpse of the real Jesus, we draw up programs and we dream up new teachings and develop new theology and we design new methods to reach the world and we develop new strategies that we hope will bring people to Christ. But Jesus was clear. Our mission is to simply lift him up in all, in every aspect of life and in our life together as a body of believers, the church. We're to lift him up in full view of everyone in a way that our culture and our generation, our neighbors and our friends can understand and receive him. If we will lift him up, if we will do that, he does the rest. Each person, every church, every generation needs to answer who do you say that I am? But they can't do that unless we lift the real Jesus up. You know, we ask so many other questions. What are you doing to evangelize the neighborhood or the world? To who are you accountable? Who is your spiritual covering? How is your Bible reading going? How is your prayer life? Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do you speak in tongues? Are you moving in the gifts of the Spirit? What are your gifts? Do you have a ministry in the local church? Yet Jesus asked his disciples only one question. Who do you say that I am? And when we know him, really know him, we lift him up and glorify him in our lives. When we know him, truly know the real Jesus, we love him with our whole heart. And then they will know we are his disciples by our love as we focus on him and speak of him, lifting him up in every part of our lives. For our hearts to be captured by his love, we need to connect. That means to repent. We need to connect relationally with the real Jesus. Your heart will be captured by even a glimpse of the greatest person the world has ever known, Jesus. And out of the depth of your relationship with Jesus flows everything else. And your life shows others the real depth of that relationship. Now, I'm not talking about the cheap, happy, clappy Jesus talk that creeps into religious conversations today. I'm talking about a simple, plain, life-centered, 
real, realistic, practical reality, solidly based in your heart relationship with Jesus. Karl Barth, greatest theologian of the 20th century, was asked to summarize his 12 volumes on church theology. He wrote 12 very large, substantial books on dogmatic theology. Dogmatic theology is a study of the beliefs of the church. And he was asked to summarize his 12 volumes, and his answer was, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Folks, we need to get rid of the happy, clappy Jesus talk and just get down-to-earth truth and reality moving again in our lives and our conversations. We need to go back to our first love. 1 John 4.16 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. It's not seen as an abstract principle or a theology way out there, some airhead thinking or something we glibly speak of off the cuff. But the Christian faith and our love for the world will be seen in real, actual person named Jesus because he initiated this love relationship. He is God. He is love. First John 4.19 We love because he first loved us. We can love him because he first loved us, but we can love each other because he first loved us, and we can love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So how do we live our lives as believers, as followers of the Christ, in such a way that others will see this first love? Well, Sandwiched between verses 16 and 19 is verse 17. And verse 17 in 1 John chapter 4 says this, As he is, so also are we in this world. So you and I are meant to be living life as Jesus lived his life. And as Jesus not only did live his life, but would if he were here today in the flesh. And he is, for he lives in us. And wants to live his life through us. And that's why Paul could write in Acts 17, verse 28, In him we live and move and have our being. And then we will be salt and light in our world. And then we will be the city on the hill for all to see. Hmm. So I think we have a problem. But I do know it's healable and it can change if we will take our focus off of ourselves, off of our programming, off of our buildings, off of our assemblies, off of our services, and put our focus on a real Jesus, the real Jesus, the Bible Jesus, who is radical and a revolutionary. And as we do that and lift him up, glorify him, exalt him in everything that we do, in everything we are, then he will draw people to himself. And the church will come back into the place of influence and impact that it's always meant to have had and that we've lost. So, Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that everything about him is an amazing, wonderful, awesome experience to have in our lives. And we just ask that we would begin to lift him up or for those who already are lifting him up in their lives, they would do it in a better way, a more effective way, a more efficient way. Help us to lift him up so that he will draw all people to himself. And we thank you in Jesus' name.